Off today, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Crimes Without Conviction. Today, we are focusing on a, the disappearance of Shizu Fujioka Cronin in 1995. Joining us uh, for this podcast, we've got Chief of Police Steve Ignacio, as well as a former Criminal Investigation Division agent, A.V. Camacho. Thank you both uh, for joining uh, me today. Hi, Bri. Good afternoon. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Hi, Alfred Avery, thank you for having us. A long time. <laughs> a long time, yes. And so uh, um, either one of you can start because I understand that um, both of you uh, got involved with this case uh, in 2020 when you were part of the Unsolved Homicide Task Force, correct? Yeah, 2000. 2000. Yeah, 2000. yeah we, were, we were involved in the Unsolved Homicide Task Force. So I'll kind of lay the groundwork and then uh, uh-huh. I think I'll turn it over to... Uh, Investigator uh, uh, Camacho to kind of talk about some of the other stuff that we did uh, during uh, the unsolved or the team closure task force, unsolved homicide uh, team that we had back in 2000 under Chief Cabina. And so going back to uh, 1995, <clears throat> there are actually two reports that were made regarding the disappearance or, uh, yeah, the disappearance of uh, Shizu Cronin. Uh, the first was actually filed by her husband, her husband uh, Stephen Cronin, um, and the sec- that was filed in May of 1995. The second one was filed by Francis Lesperance. Uh, Francis is the son of uh, Shizu Cronin, for, I believe from a previous marriage, and uh, Francis also had a um, has a sister, Mari Lesperance. And so uh, what had happened was is um, the last confirmed sighting by friends or family of uh, Shizu Cronin was sometime around March 20 uh, of 1995. And I believe uh, that one of the last people that saw her was at the Tamuni Post Office, uh, a close uh, personal friend. Uh, But since March of 1995, uh, from the last sighting uh, on Guam, uh, no one had seen or heard from uh, Shizu uh, up until uh, May of 1995 when her husband came forward to report that he had not heard from her and not seen her uh, for the past couple months. The, the son also came out and made the report that, hey, you know, the last time we saw mom, heard mom or spoke to mom, was back in March of 1995. So we, we knew then that uh, she was missing since March. Uh, through, our, through our investigation, uh, we determined from uh, the interviews of uh, Steve Cronin that um, he thought or he believed that she had taken a trip back to uh, Mountain View, California, where they, had o- they owned uh, another home. And... Uh, because she frequently traveled, uh, he didn't think anything unusual of it. And so um, the, the children as well said, you know, we haven't heard from mom since uh, March 1995. But this is very unusual for mom not to make contact with us uh, for these, these past few months. Because, you know, we usually stay in constant communication. Uh, whether it's by phone or in person. Because um, I believe at the time, uh, the daughter lived in the Bay Area. 
And uh, we'll kind of tie that in later on uh, with uh, a, a private investigator from the Bay Area. Uh, extensive work was done with, uh, at, at, at the time, the Crimes Against, Pers Crimes Against Persons uh, Unit, uh, Special Agents uh, Gary Tovis and Special Agent Jeremy Uh They did a lot of work. Uh, they, they went out and they, they uh, went, through, uh, went through the different airlines looking for, for any of the airline uh, manifests, but they could not find any record that Shizu Cronin had left Guam uh, sometime after March of 1995, when she was last seen. Uh, again, going back to um, Mr. Steve Cronin, her, her husband at the time, uh, he claims that she left and she could be in the Mountain View area, uh, California, where they, they owned a home. Uh, we reached out to Mountain View. Uh, they did some, some work, but they could not establish any information that uh, she was within their jurisdiction. Uh, so nobody could uh, verify the claim that she had left Guam and was somewhere in California. And um, I'll go ahead and uh, go ahead and turn over to uh, AV. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You have any questions? Yeah, AV. Yeah, or AV. You have any questions first, uh, Sabrina? Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say it just seems kind of suspect that uh, she was last seen in March, and it wasn't only until months later that the husband would report her missing. It, I mean, is, was that one of the things that kind of ticked off, you know, on your list? Like, wait a minute, that that doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I would know if my spouse was <laughs> leaving yeah. the day they were leaving. So uh, why don't we talk about uh, kind of some of the work that we did to try and see what we can do to locate uh, uh, Shizu. But then mm -hmm. I'll also kind of uh, talk about some of the, what we believe were the motives uh, in this case. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so um, I believe uh, we became involved in this in, in, in 2000. This is about five years after um, uh, Shizu was, was reported missing uh, by her family and, and her husband. So what, what prompted us to look into this was the family out in the mainland um, had hired a private investigator uh, uh, from California, from somewhere in California, um, to try and look into the dis disappearance of her mother. So um, the private investor came out here and right off the top, he somehow developed a witness who claimed to have, uh, if I remember correctly, been friends with, with Stephen, uh, Stephen Cronin. And he believed that, you know, Stephen Cronin had something to do with, with her, her disappearance. And um, what I do recall was that there was information that a neighbor had seen him shortly after she had disappeared. A neighbor had seen him in the backyard digging up something uh, in, their, in a backyard in their Laddie Heights home. So keep in mind, through the course of our investigation, we found out that they had multiple homes. I believe that home, three homes in Jonestown, a home in Laddie Heights. And I believe uh, Mr. Cronin either owned or managed uh, the Harmon Apartments uh, right off the Harmon Cliff Line in Harmon Industrial Park. I forget the name of that, that apartment back then. Um, that's where the Pepsi bottling company was before. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we met with a private investigator sometime in 2000. Um, 
we work with them closely and we developed some leads and it led us to the uh, home in Laddie Heights where they, that they previously owned. Um, and they had, I think the Cronins had sold it, or Mr. Cronin had sold it a few years uh, uh, before, prior, maybe uh, sometime between 95 and 2000. So we approached the new homeowners and, and uh, basically informed them, you know, we had information that uh, might assist our case and we wanted to dig up their backyard and, and, you know, Surprisingly enough, they agreed. They agreed for us to, based on what we discussed with them, they were concerned and they wanted to find out if anyone was buried in their, their backyard, you know. So um, with the help of, I think, DPW and some of their guys, we got some jackhammers and some shovels and we dug up the backyard where the neighbor claimed to have seen them uh, digging uh, late one night. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't discover anything. So, oh, so what... During this time, what was Mr. Cronin saying? I mean, so uh, again, like I said, uh, Mr. Cronin's claim is that uh, he believed that she had left uh, to Mountain View and that when she had got to Mountain View, uh, he claims that he had received a letter from her saying that she was traveling in Europe. Uh, she was traveling on vacation or just uh, traveling abroad. Uh, in Europe, uh, that was his claim to the family, the, the son and the daughter. But uh, just like anything else that, that we were looking into, uh, we, we had no information to confirm that claim. Uh, we, whenever, um, we never saw that letter, uh, and they never saw that letter that claims that she was traveling abroad. Uh, and and just, just to kind of give you a background on Mr. Cronin, uh, he was actually a member of, uh, he was a practicing attorney here in Guam, a lawyer, and it's my understanding based on what we information we gathered that for some reason uh, he was disbarred and he was no longer allowed to practice law on Guam. Um, the victims, um, Shizu Cronin's attorney was uh, the late Jan Rubenstein and uh, she had gone to him uh, because she was in the process of trying to, I believe at the time, divorce uh, Steve Cronin. And uh, so as we look at what may have motivated uh, her disappearance and maybe even uh, what we believe was her, 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 her death, uh, because like I said, we, we have no, um, no information that she, she was alive after March uh, 1995. Uh, we believe it, it may have been financially motivated. Uh, we, we uncovered information that uh, Steve Cronin was having uh, financial problems and he was also, uh, you know, having issues with, with alcoholism. Um, like uh, 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 A.V. Camacho said, uh, the Cronins had a lot of property, but a lot of the ownership of the property either were 100% or majority owned by Shizu Cronin, Steve's wife. And um, um, they, like, like Amy said, they, they own multiple homes in Jonestown. They own the home in Laddie Heights. They own that apartment unit behind uh, Pepsi uh, in Harmon Industrial Park. And they also had, uh, also own the Polynesian Hotel, the one that's right there on Ipa Road. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget the name of it now, but uh, they, they own that, that uh, apartment building uh, uh, at, at one time. But, uh, you know, he, he was having financial difficulties making uh, paying the bills. And so, you know, she, she was worth uh, a lot of money. 
in terms of uh, real estate and all that. And not only did they own homes on Guam, but uh, they owned a, uh, she owned a home uh, in Hawaii, uh, Mountain View, California, and in Japan. So, uh, you know, they, they had a lot of real estate investments. And, you know, those, those investments, uh, I was reading some of the documents earlier and like one home in, in, uh, that they listed uh, was worth $400,000, you know, back in the 90s. And so, you know, it's worth a lot of money. So um, uh, we, we have no, no other information as to uh, where she could have been or that she was still alive and seen somewhere else. She was never seen in Mountain View. After March of 95, she was never seen uh, alive by anybody or heard from, from anybody. Um, you, the, you, the, mentioned, uh, you mentioned the witness that led you guys to the home in Laddie Heights. Are you able to say who, what's the connection with the, the witness um, and the Cronin? And did you he, was a, he, was a, he was a long-time employee. That, that, that supposed eyewitness was a long-time employee of uh, Mr. Cronin. And then, uh, like I said, like A.V. said, uh, the, the neighbors, when we were going out and doing the uh, neighbors uh, interview, uh, you know, they, they provided us the, the information. So in addition to the Laddie Heights home, it's my understanding that uh, there was another uh, unsolved homicide team. I think it was Jeremino and uh, Sergeant Barry Flores. Uh, they had come in also and did some further work on this case. And I believe that they had uh, gone and also did some digging or excavating at, um, Avi, do you remember, was it uh, the, the houses, one of the houses in Jonestown? Yes, yes, it was a residence in Jonestown. And I think they developed some information about five or 10 years after we had initially uh, made that, that that dig at the Laddie Heights home. And, you know, keep in mind, I, I, not, I think there were one or two employees or friends of, of, of Mr. Cronin who shared some information with us you know, uh, and they, they strongly believe that, you know, um, he had something to do with her disappearance. And I don't remember exactly where the information came from, but um, a lot of it led to her, him burying her body either at the Laddie Heights home or one of their homes in Jonestown. So um, uh, JR and his guys, based on some of that information, they also approached uh, the owners of... Uh, a home in Jonestown that the Cronins used to own and they sold it uh, years prior. Uh, again, they explained uh, the possibilities of, of finding something, you know, someone being buried in, in, in uh, somewhere in that residence. And uh, the homeowners were, were nice enough to allow GPD back then also to actually break concrete in their home. And, uh, well, before they broke concrete, I think they, we already had the, the x-ray. I forget what they call that technology where you're able to use that device and find a void in, in, uh, under concrete, and uh, which led them to believe something was under the concrete. So uh, they dug up a certain area of the home, but uh, they, were, uh, they, didn't, they weren't able to find anything yet. How many homes did you guys go to? I, uh, I think we dug up probably maybe three homes or anything. I believe, yeah, at least. I believe there's one other home in Jonestown. I, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, though, but um, we also wanted to try the – there was also information that led, uh, that led uh, about the, the place in Harmon, the apartments in Harmon, but we were never able to 
to do anything with that. Um, I'm not sure why, um, but uh, yeah. And so all these years later, um, Shizu, she's still, she's still missing. She would be, what, 80 or something years old now, right? And what about, about this time? I mean, he just never said anything, never provided, provided any additional information. He stuck to that one story that she went to, to Europe and, and, and that was it. He was never. Yeah, so, so, so what had happened of, is, of course, uh, uh, because the, the focus was on him, uh, he had actually retained an attorney and the, the, his attorney at the time says, hey, unless you got anything, uh, he's not coming in to talk to anybody. And we're not providing any other statements beyond what you got. So we never got his side of the story, a complete accounting of his side of the story. And, uh, you know, uh, pretty much uh, we, we did all we can. Uh, that uh, private investigator that was hired by the family, uh, his name was Alex Klein. Uh, he did extensive work uh, also in the, the, the California area. I'm not sure what his findings were, but uh, um, uh, he worked for uh, he worked in the San Francisco area. And uh, <laughs> his claim to fame was uh, I'm, I'm Kevin Klein's brother, the actor. And uh, so that was pretty cool, you know. <laughs> Well, um, so at this point, you believe the person responsible um, was Mr. Um, Cronin, but he's since passed away. Yeah, he yeah he's since passed away. Uh, I, again, you know, uh, did, did we have probable cause? Uh, not at the time and, and, and not at this point. But again, like I said, you know, all roads led back to him, uh, you know, as far as motive, uh, as far as uh, personal last was physically with uh, the, the wife. And, uh, you know, also during our investigation, we had, we had uncovered um, that uh, he, he was also very abusive with her. Uh, she, we had at least one or two criminal complaints of uh, domestic violence that were filed against uh, Mr. Cronin by his wife. And, uh, but, you know, uh, again, uh, n nothing solid, you know, nothing uh, substantial that we could use, uh, you know, to uh, to uh, bring uh, Mr. Cronin in. And so, you know, uh, we, we did what we can. I think more can be done. Uh, like a AV said, uh, they own multiple homes. We, we haven't searched each and every home. Uh, there's the Polynesian Hotel. Uh, there's the apartments uh, back there by uh, Pepsi uh, along the cliff line. Uh, you know, we've never really checked. Uh, thoroughly th those areas uh, because they were either owned by uh, at the time they were still owned by him uh, and, and that was a promise that we didn't have enough probable cause to get search warrants to enter the properties yeah yeah so that's why we had to wait until they were sold and hopefully you know and then and, and luckily the, the two or three homes that we were able to to search uh, the, the new owners allowed us to to do that well, certainly, thank you guys uh, for joining us for this uh, latest episode of Crimes Without Conviction. Uh, Chief, what's the number to call uh, if, if anybody may have any information? Yeah, please, if anybody has information, uh, please call Crime Stoppers uh, or the Guam Police Department, uh, our police dispatch at 475-8615 or Crime Stoppers at 477 and I would report to anybody that has information. Uh, I think people, there are people out there that may know something. 
um, you know, because Mr. Cronin worked and uh, lived in Guam for a very long time. So he had very, some very close associates uh, and friends. All right. Thanks, uh, Chief. A.V., good to see you. Thank you so much. Good to see you too, Bree. Thanks for having us. Sorry. And this has been another episode of Crimes Without Conviction. Stay safe, everybody. <laughs>